0: In the second of december November 2022 delighted to be back with our roy davis the welsh wizard he's got so much information to give i think it's quite a tricky show for him for our pre-show chat so i'm going to try and keep my mouth shut the whole way through it and then i'm going to come in at the end for questions and uh, without further ado no one wants to hear me they're just after you roy
1: uh, I don't believe that, Lou. I and, do. Uh, at, the, at the end of the show, um, <laughs> I, we'll, put, we'll surely put that right. Because I should say that this is really uh, a podcast by myself. And then we're going to have 10 minutes on an, a very important topic of which Lou is far more familiar and more experienced than I am. So I'll be turning the tables and I'll be interviewing Lou. But get into this podcast. Oh, sure, well, great. This podcast uh, um, is different from all the other podcasts in the sense that we're, we're reaching a stage now where all forces uh, are in play, but particularly the role of BRICS+, the ASEAN countries, the SEO, the AI, and their enormous weight in society now is not appreciated by the uh, WCC countries or their representatives, they don't want to talk about them because the WCC countries, as I've made clear, on a number of occasions are facing financial implosion. And it's taking place now. I don't want to go into Credit Suisse. I'm going to leave uh, FTX and uh, Tremor and the rest of them um, because I'm going to really try and explain some historical background to uh, the BRICS countries, because whoever thinks that this is a phenomenon that's just come about with uh, China, with uh, Russia, and with India, really doesn't know the history, because at the start of the 18th century, these three countries were the most powerful economic countries in the world, and in particular, India, had probably the highest standard of living in the world. And as they were falling, and the reasons I'll explain, the American Revolution takes place. And I'll try and give, a, I give a, a bit of an idea, an inkling, of what that meant to the Chinese, to the Indians, and indeed to the Russian people. Because history is always written by the victors, and, of course, they airbrush out anything that goes against their, uh, their story. But I'd like to start this with drop 140. It's a Q drop, 140, November the 11th, 2017. Now, I'm not going to say this again, but every fact, every Q drop, every instance of dates, they're all on Royboy17 on Telegram. Uh, so if you go there, you will get the details. So,
0: what, what this, drop is it? Sorry, Roy. Sorry, Roy. It's the only time I'm going to interrupt. What drop did you say it was? Because I'm just I'm going along with you.
1: It's drop one forty, November eleventh, twenty seventeen. Thank you. And Tony. really, and really, this is where we're at now. Yeah. Q states uh, it's a number of sentences down in the bottom half. His first statement, first sentences. What if China, Russia, and others are coordinating with POTUS to eliminate the New World Order. Three or four lines down from that, uh, he says, next sentence, this is not easy to accept or nor believe. That's why I prefaced the past historical development. It's not easy to believe if you have no understanding of what has taking place. Nevertheless, we are in that period now, where I believe it's going to become clear that China and Russia and others, what does he mean by others? He means India, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Nigeria, Venezuela, Turkey, Syria, Iran. Others will account for 85% of humanity. But if I deal with, why, why did I mention Saudi Arabia? Um, well, what do Russia and Saudi Arabia have in common? Well, they are free of the deep state and the cabal bankers. And if you look at the statement of Putin, we sovereignty of all countries, where he wants a unipolar world, where he wants freedom and liberty to be at to fore, and the right of all nations to determine their own future, not controlled by the most powerful nations. Now, last week... MBS did an interview with The Atlantic, and I've put it on the site, and it is a revelation. I didn't make too much of it, but it is a revelation. Because in that interview, MBS denounced the Muslim Brotherhood, he denounced Wahhabism, he echoed Putin on the sovereignty of all nations. And he gave a glimmer into what Saudi Arabia is going to become. He's done away with the laws of stoning. Where The, the only law, he says, for death penalty now is, is a religious law, and it's about uh, taking life. And even then, he said, we are actually, uh, y- y- although we're keeping that law, he said we, we're trying to temper it. And that the person who kills another person has six months, the family has six months or 12 months to listen. And uh, if they still want to, the base of it, then the person will be executed. But I listened, you know, I listened, I read it, I listened to MBS, and he's free now. In the last podcast, I mentioned a statement that he made, which I'll come to, where he said that the United States is just another customer. Just another customer. That is breathtaking. Now, last week, sorry, if I moved to China, because China is very important. Now, how can I state that uh, that China and Russia are coordinating with Polis? Does that mean Putin and Xi? Absolutely, it does. Putin, it's clear now, is identifying the way forward. He's echoing many of the sentiments that Donald Trump put forward when he was in office 2016 to 2020. Now, in China, we've some, seen some developments in the last few weeks. At the Chinese Communist Party's 20th Congress, I, I'm not sure, you saw on stage Hu Jintao, the previous leader before Qi, being uh, escorted out of the Congress hall. We now find that Zhang Zemin, the leader before Hu Jintao, has, uh, has passed away. And now bear in mind George Bush. You know, it's a, uh, the common belief, and I believe it, is George Bush was put to sleep for his crimes. And I think Ziumin is in, uh, will be on, on those lines as well. And then we come to Peng Bo. Now, we'll say a few words. Hu Jintao, when Xi men was in power, Hu Jintao was in charge of Tibet and the Uyghurs. The atrocities that were carried out against the Tibetan people and the Uyghurs. Peng Bo is the individual that's been fought, given 14 years for corruption and, most significantly, human rights abuses. Now Peng Bo was in charge of the 610 office. The 610 office covered Falun Gong. And the human rights that, they, that the CC are referring to are organ sales. They're aware of it. Now, the West has touched on Peng Bo. When you hit a search engine, the, uh, what comes up, you think, oh, Peng Bo was 2021. Well, that was Li Juan, Peng Bo's assistant. They don't want to get into Peng Bo why don't they want to get into Peng Bo? The Chinese Communist Party has done a large report. And by the way, the tradition of the Chinese Communist Party is not to release the report for a period of weeks and to let it come out in their, uh, in their bulletin. So we're awaiting that. But what it has said, that they were aware of gross human rights abuses. Organ harvesting. Where did the blood go? Now, the West aren't reporting on that report. They're not making any big news about that. They don't want that report to come out. Why? Why would they not want a report? They have mentioned Falun Gong. The fake press have eulogized Falun Gong. Poor people. But when the CCP says, and she orders it, says, right, we want that report out, get it out. We found him. We got him. We know what he's done. you crimes. Nothing. You go the search engines, you'll find nothing. Because Peng Bo, Zhang Zemin, and Hu Jintao, they would have been the leaders, the CIA agents in the deep state in China. And what do you have? What is Xi, what is Xi Jinping doing? Well, what he started, he started the destruction of the CCP. It's going to be controlled. But it's the controlled destruction of the CCP. How can he say that? Well, I've just mentioned that Xi is now openly stating a case. He's giving the facts, the organ harvesting, etc., etc. He's putting in the pressure on the, uh, on the West. But more to that, if you think of the past leaders of the CCP, When there's been any disturbance on the Chinese mainland, wherever it's been, they've allowed it to go on for a day, two days, three days, four days, five days. But if it doesn't wind down, they're in with the troops. They're in with the live ammo. They sort the issue out. Now we've got widespread reports of people refusing to stay in their their homes refusing to abide by COVID. Prior to that, we had people outside the banks of the prop- failed property developers excoriating them, demanding that they be held accountable. And what did, what, did she, what did she do then? He didn't do anything. Oh, he sent the police in. And you could say that the police dealt in a surly manner to drag people out, but there were no arrests. And when I read that, I found that astonishing. No arrests. Usually, it's, exec- it's executions, not, a, not no arrests. And so now, we, now we're having millions out in the streets. And you can say, oh, well, how can he control that? Well, he can. But he realizes any attempt to do that would make the situation worse. And he, In my opinion, Xi wants red. He doesn't want to be in the CCP. His father was executed by the CCP. He spent many years in, hard, in a, in a, in a, in a as a, as a degraded son of a former party leader. He suffered for it himself. And I think he's, he's now bringing it down. And he hasn't sent the troops in. And I don't believe he will send the troops in. You see, one of the major provinces in China said, ah, oh, screw COVID. We're going back to work. <laughs> What's Qi said? He hasn't said, oh, no, we're not having that. Okay. He's not commenting. So what will that do? That will mean that other provinces are going to say, yeah, we're following suit. And I think that's part of the controlled demolition that Xi and the White Hats have began to, uh, to bring about in China. Now, I'd now like to go back to what I mentioned earlier. If you go back, I'm going to go back to the 18th, beginning of the 18th century, but I will bring it up into the modern era. And I'll deal, I'm on China, so I'll deal with China. China, as I said, 1700s, 1750s, 1800s, very good standard of living. Uh, a good exp- exporting area. Minerals there. The trade, although the Silk Road had ended, nevertheless, 40-odd countries now were in regular uh, trade with China, with India. Yeah, and Russia on the outskirts. So it, it promoted both China and India. But then you get the Opium Wars of 1839 to 42. You get the defeat of the Qing Dynasty. You get the isolation of China. Okay, it's, Britain won the Opium Wars, but they worked out that it was a bridge too far to intervene. Not when they already had going concerns in India, which I'll touch upon now. So the Qing dynasty fails, it falls. And the Kuomintang, a nationalist party in China, comes to power at the beginning, uh, you know, beginning of the 20th century, just before, I think. Its leader was a guy called Sun Yat sen. Now, how does this tie up? Well, Sun Yat sen went to Hawaii when he was about 13 or 14. And uh, he was schooled uh, in an American school. And had said, met uh, his uh, ch- fellow Chinese out there uh, who, who took him under their wing. And in that period of his life, he, he wrote that for the first time he studied the American, uh, the American Revolution. You know, he said that he he began to understand the American system, what the revolution was all about, the role of the founding fathers. And what struck him most of all was that the American system was about creating wealth. But for him, it wasn't just the wealth of a few, but that also the peoples of of the country, of America, would enjoy the prosperity. Now he studied, he was to go on to study Lincoln. He was going to quote Lincoln. He, dis, he studied Hamilton. But more importantly, he recognized the role of Britain. He recognized the role of Adam Smith, of Ricardo. And he said, that system he fundamentally opposed. Where, in inverted greed is good. The money goes up to the top to top control. The wage slaves at the bottom get a pittance. There was no rising of the population there. So suddenly that Sen goes back, becomes a leader in the Kuomintang. But key to it all is he recognises through Jackson, through Lincoln, that you have to control your money supply. They you have to control your credit, your loans? Do you have to issue your money? You cannot leave these people who have control of it in Britain, in Europe, because you get that greed system. There's no life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for the nations there. So he goes back into China, and he ensures that the bank remains, the central bank remains under control of the people. Now he's overthrown. He goes in a liaison with the Chinese Communist Party and he's overthrown and he moves over to Taiwan. And that's the history of Taiwan there. It starts there. But Mao takes over, but Mao is advised. He's aware of what happened in Russia with the Bolshevik Party, which I'll come to, and he keeps, he keeps the bank, he keeps the currency. And he says, No, we're not going to give it to them. So, in a sense, The American American Revolution has made an enormous mark on China itself, and they're retying the knot with history now. I believe we're seeing the end of the Chinese Communist Party. I believe that what Lincoln, Hamilton, Jackson stood for is going to be the end product in China. And that's why I've held out all the way through the discussions. You, the American Constitution is, the most, is a most marvelous document, probably one of the greatest documents in human history. It, it represents the freest constitution that you ever see. Never mind Magna Carta, it, pinches, it, it, it develops Magna Carta. There's no constitution in the world that comes near to the US Constitution. And I believe Trump will come back and the U.S. Constitution will change, but it will be the template for the world. On the basis of what Sun Yat-sen understood, that the prosperity and wealth of a nation must also be the prosperity of its peoples. That life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness must be free to all, not a small cabal who control everything. Now, if I move to India, the attack on the Indian continent, on India, started much earlier in history. At the beginning of the 18th century, the East India Company moved in to India. Now, you hear them eulogizing the East India Company. Yeah, the professors do. They look back on it with fondness. What's little known is it entered India with 260,000 armed soldiers and weapons of destruction. This was at a time when the Mughals in the different regions, a bit like governors in America, didn't have really big armies. There was a peaceful coexistence. And now I'm going to give you to explain what the wealth of India and the living standards were like. I've dug up a bit of research. In GD- it's the GDP per capita. In 1700, I mean, I, I've, it's been put forward in dollars to help us. In 1700, the GDP per capita per person in India was $719. In the UK, it was under $100. Now in 1950, let's jump in 250 years, the GDP capita per person in India had fallen to $619. So from 1700 to, to 1950, it had fallen. Now why was that the case? It can only be the case because of the role of the East India company. The role of the East India Company, was to subjugate totally the wealth, the commodities, the culture, and the heritage of India itself. And remember, this, isn't, this is a huge, huge country. India and Pakistan, they don't split till 1948, and that was, that was a contrived development. So this is a massive country with massive wealth. In 1990, per capita per head, in India, was $1,309. In 2021, in India, the per capita per head was $2,277. The per capita per head in the United Kingdom was $54,000. That's per head. So from being up until probably... 1830, 1840, the most powerful country in the world in regards to living standards, in regards to commodities, social systems, it goes down to one of the poorest countries in the world. And it's stark. It's absolutely stark what's taking place. So you see how the intervention of the Rothschilds, because that's who it was. East India Company, financed by the Rothschilds, they go into India. The military, controlled by the Rothschilds. Roy, sorry, you broke off
0: then. You just broke off a minute. Can you just go go back like a sentence because you cut off? We're having a bit of internet outages all of a sudden, which is very weird. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. It's my end, I think. If you could just go back and start that sentence again.
1: the the net effect was the mass popularization of India the taking away of its wealth the transferring of its wealth and commodities to the UK to the Rothschilds it assimilated India it then because it couldn't intervene militarily in Russia in China it cut it off it isolated it. It attempted to isolate it. So now we come to Russia. And by the, by the way, in this period of 1900 to 1910, Russia was one of the... It had the most powerful central bank, national bank or central bank. It had more gold than any other country in the world. And it had the outline of major industries and a very good farming, peasant uh, it was it was a, in a sense it was a, a peasant it was a rich peasantry it had to be it wasn't allocated to the the land was in the hands of, of landowners you had to have the redistribution of the land and that hadn't taken place and was a, was a source of consternation but then you get the coming to power of the bolshevik party in 1919 by 1926 the Bolsheviks had handed the gold and their bank to the Rothschilds. They had handed the foreign exchange to the Rothschilds. From that point on, their fate was already determined. So but I mentioned by 1850, uh, I, I mentioned the wealth distribution. But it's the GNP figures, and I'm going to deal with China, Russia, and India. And the GNP figures of those countries are in dollars, and I'll give them. In 1750, in those three countries, there were $495, and the GNP is all the goods of society. It's exports, imports, imports, it's wealth in society. $495 per person. In the alliance, in the UK... In Germany, in Holland, it was one hundred and fifty five. By eighteen sixty, when the opium wars had taken place, when you'd had the subjugation of India, it was still above the alliance. It was seven hundred and two dollars, where the alliance was five hundred and twenty one. But a hundred years later, those three countries, the per capita was three thousand five hundred and seventy seven. And in the ACC countries, it was 10,820. And I don't have to go through the final figures. You can understand what is taking place. But Russia itself, let's come to the modern day now. Because China became a state capitalist country. It it, it, it was America during the period of the financial explosion and Germany, where they relied on the dollar, well, they exported their dollar, they exported their, their businesses, their companies to China. So did Germany, so did a number of Europeans, so did Britain. The Chinese economy, by the late 1990s, 2000 was a powerful economy even then, and it, it was going to be the base, as we know, for the new world order. It was going to be the next America. Remember the 16-year plan was to leave America a husk of a country, a third world country. When you look into the globalist plan, that was it. But Russia, Russia has always been required. Why? Because it covers one-sixth of the world's surface, and it has fantastic mineral rights, huge energy resources, huge resources in terms of food and possibilities. So It's always been the case that they wanted to balkanize Russia. And the opportunity came in the 1990s. He had the fall of the old Communist Party, and he had the development of the federation under the drunk that was Yeltsin. In 1992, retail prices alone rose 2,520%. In 1992, there were 144 rubles to a dollar. In 1995, there were 5,000 rubles to a dollar. In 1996, there were 6,000 rubles to a dollar. What does that mean? That means that famine was all over Russia. Poverty was the order of the day. Malnutrition and homelessness were rife across this great, huge country. And they thought, then, this is it. Now we'll go for it. Now we'll balkanize. Now we'll split it up. Unfortunately, Putin comes to power. Fortunately for humanity, by the way. Unfortunately for the cabal. Putin immediately has retrenchment. He is an economist by trade. If you read his thesis when he was a young man, it was written on sound money and the enormous potential that Russia had in its own country. And he then goes about with assistance from the White Hats to construct a powerful economy and to remove Rothschild's control of the Bank of Russia, of the Central Bank. Now, where did BRICS come in? Well, BRICS was forged really in 2009. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Up to that period of time, and let's go to 2015, in reality, the WCC countries ruled the world. They ruled the world through the dollar, but through the developments that had taken place in the prior centuries as I've outlined. But it was in 2010, at a WEF meeting, that a guy called Lula da Silva, Brazilian leader, Sent over his emissary. Didn't attend himself. I think it was one of his ministers. And, and he said, I'm going to read my president's speech. Now, Lula can be termed a maverick. But nevertheless, this speech was devastating to the WEF. Because in it, Lula literally said, no longer will you control us by the dollar. We're setting up a new currency. We're setting up bricks. We're setting up our own system, which will counteract yours. Obama's love for Lula began to dissipate, so much so, and Biden have a good executing him. Lula becomes denigrated, jailed. And today we have developments which I don't want to touch on. But that was the advent. He announces the attack. Lula announces the new currency, by the way, in 2000. I think it was 2010. It was enough to stun them, but they didn't take any notice. They had a good laugh over it and dismissed him as a a joyful clown. Now, as I mentioned earlier, these first world countries had control. They used the dollar. But what is the big difference now between the BRICS countries and the WCC countries? Well, the the major difference is, whereas I mentioned, that Putin had control and supply of currency, credit, and loans and the issuance of money, now a whole phalanx of countries have that. A whole phalanx of countries have that, not least amongst them, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates. You can go and you can find the Bank of International Sentiments, Central Bank's bank, and you'll find that they're all in it. And that is true. And they all attend it. Not Russia anymore because the bank has said they don't want the Russian representative there. And next will be they don't want the Chinese representative. And after that, they won't want the Saudi or the Indian representative. Because in the end, they'll be stuck with the WCC countries. Because that's really what they've been all along. So that difference is, is clear. The WCC countries are run by the Rothschilds. Their ownership and control of the major banks and the central banks. The BRICS countries are owned and controlled by the people through the government. Now, I've mentioned she; It's a very distorted government. The CCP is not not a government I would be a, I could support for the nature and character of it, but I acknowledge that that is changing now, and I think we will see the true character of that country. Now, what is de-dollarization? I mentioned de-dollarization, but I have a very good example of de-dollarization, and that's in the context of Russia and China, the bilateral trade agreements. Between them, 90% was carried out in dollars in 2015, 46% in 2020. At the end of 2022, they think it will be under 5%. So there's been a huge de dollarizing by those two countries. There's a huge de dollarizing taking place now. You know, I mentioned. Zimbabwe, Cuba. Now you've got Ghana. Ghana says, "No, I'm not, we're, not, we're not paying for oil in, uh, in dollars. We're going to pay for it in gold. Because if they have to buy dollars, given the exchange ratios, it's, it's enormous cost. But if they buy with their own cap, if they buy gold from the Shanghai Exchange, then it's far cheaper. And they can afford to buy the oil. And that's going through And that Ghana, Cuba, the smaller, Zimbabwe, these small countries, they're amassing gold. What I mentioned last week, why are they amassing gold? Because they realize that Putin and Xi made the statement in June that they're going to have a currency, a digital currency, which is going to be backed up by gold and commodities. You already have a contract currency in China, the yuan, backed by gold. When will that come about? Well, I think they're going to wait. I think they're going to wait for America, for Jerome Powell, and the rest of the clowns to bring about their digital currency. But it's a bit like, I can't remember the guy's name, but he says, the reset of of the New World Order, the cabal. It's a reset of nothing. So when you have the reset, you end with nothing. What he means is there's nothing backing up the dollar. Yeah, they're going to get rid of all the debt when they do the reset. But what are they left with once they do the reset? They're left with a digital currency that has nothing behind it. Now you can say, oh, central banks have been buying gold. Well, you'd have to then ask the question, which central banks have been buying gold? The central banks have been buying gold have been the likes of Germany, France, Spain, Italy, certainly or Canada, not Britain. The USA, we're not sure if it's got gold. It's got those 8,100 tons. So gold, yes. But if you, if you put all the WCC countries' gold together, doesn't make 20% of the world's physical gold. So, who owns the world's physical gold? Yeah, oh, you got it. Who owns the world's commodities? Yeah, you got it. Who owns the world's energies? Yeah, you got that too. So, the real balance of forces is not the bullshit that you're seeing on the news and the media and the bullshit you're getting off central bankers. The real balance of power is now decisively in the hands of the BRICS countries. And it's going to stay there. It's going to go further and further. I made a point. I made a point, I think about six months ago, where I said that when the living standards of the WCC countries fall, there'll be an inver- uh, you know, inverse, inverse proportion increase in the living standards of the, the BRICS countries. Are the BRICS plus countries. And that is going to be the case. The scenario is now set. Why are they getting out? Because they know the dollar is going to fall. If you reduce the risk to the dollar and you don't use the dollar, you can defeat sanctions. Now, BRICS are are aiding the smaller countries with more and more contracts. Agreements which are enormously favorable to them. You have a scenario where I would say around right about 70% of the global part of the countries of the world are now with BRICS. And within the six months or year, it'll be 85%. The WCC countries will be on their own. Other WCC countries are aware of what's taking place. No, I just said they're not. And the only serious study that's been done on BRICS and the effect of BRICS was by Cambridge University on the 4th of February, 2022, and it poses a question. Can BRICS de-dollarize the financial system of the WCC? This is what they say. We find that BRICS members have demonstrated an unambiguous consensus and a strong commitment to promote the use of local currencies in international settlements and building a non-dollar alternative to the global financial infrastructure, developing a common payment framework. Now, they mentioned that it can be integrated with the BRIC's digital currency. They mentioned that their banks, national banks, aren't fiat currency banks. Now, for three years, China has been using, as I mentioned, digital yuan backed currency for oil, contract currency. So what does the report say about its chances. BRIC's collective efforts to establish an alternative non-dollar financial system have the potential to completely immunize participants from exchange and sanction risks and what they say in that from the cabal-controlled US dollar. And that's what I've just outlined. Now, that's really the only serious study that's taken place. Of course, there have been very, very good Discussions and papers written, particularly by those uh, economists who are not uh, who are not put on the front pages, who are not interviewed. Yeah, Andy Shepman of uh, myers Franklin. Yeah, he, he deals his business is uh, gold and silver, but he has an excellent grasp of what is taking place. I've mentioned Bentham, and uh, I've mentioned uh, I forgot his name. The other economist. But it's interesting now. Whereas they discounted BRICS, even these people, not so much Sheckman. Yeah, that two or three years ago, now, no, they no, don't worry about BRICS. Now, now, when they're talking now, their discussion centre around BRICS, there's a realisation the game is over. So about what's coming up in the near future, it's very important. And there are two really important dates. December the 5th and December the 7th. On December the 5th, the resident is going to impose an oil cap on Russian oil. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. After all that we suffered from the the ill-proposed sanctions that Biden has put forward, now he intends to try and cap Russia's oil. What well, has been Putin's reply? First of all, that is, I, I don't really care. We've already We've already sold that oil. You know, Putin made the remark that there are too many people who want oil outside of the, outside of the WCC countries that they're having to look at it seriously. But then, and you've got to listen to him, Then he turned around and said, um, "Well, On December the 5th, I will say this, and I can't remember everything, but I remember the gist of it. He said, All those countries that support Biden in this sanction will not receive any energy or commodities from Russia. And then he went further and he said, We're not allowing any of our energies, oil, or any of our exports to be sold. Through other parties to any of these countries. Boom. What does that mean? Well, Europe have been getting their oil through India through the back door. America have been getting their oil off China and in Syria. Stopped. America gets its uranium from where? Yeah. Russia, big mistake, Joe. Big mistake. So, on December the 5th, what are we going to see? Initially, I believe that they're like lemons over a cliff, say, okay, we support it. And then you will see the price of oil rocket. It's $75 a barrel now. I believe it'll go up to 150 175 within seven to 10 days. Now, I mentioned on this show, again, a while back, that these initial price rises, they're the little wave. I said, after them, there's going to be a tsunami, a series of tsunamis. And you're not going to believe the prices you're going to have to pay. Well, here we go. It's showtime. And it's coming. Now, the other date is December the 7th. What happens on December the 7th? On December the 7th, Xi Jinping is making his first trip since the outbreak of COVID. And his first trip is to where? Saudi Arabia. Why Saudi Arabia? He's already signed the deal. He did it on a video. Him and NPS talked on a video. No, he's going over there. Why do you think he's going over there? He stated he wants to sign a 50-year deal with Saudi Arabia. He signed a 27-year deal with Qatar. All the press of the world said, worth $65 billion. <laughs> the only thing that hasn't come out and they're not releasing it is the payment method. They haven't released it. Why, won't they, why didn't Qatar or Chi or release the payment method? I think you're going to find out on December the 7th. Because he's going over for trade agreements. He's going over for oil agreements. And by the way, what's the welcome that she gets from Saudi Arabia? Remember Joe, the mayor of Jeddah, came to meet him. What's the way in which she comes in? And I think the outcome is going to be welcome aboard BRICS. Thanks for joining Or MBS saying, I am prepared to accept the gold back you are for oil. If it's the first, then the second will follow. If it's not the first, the second will be announced. It has to be something of real magnitude. When that takes place, and if that takes place, that is a mortal blow to the WCC, and in particular, America. Now you begin to see. Why everybody is hedging against the dollar with gold. Why all the countries putting captive controls to stop the dollar. They don't want to be infected by the crash. They recognize that China will accept gold. That Russia will accept gold. What price? The Moscow World Standard opening up after the announcement on the 7th. What price when the dollar and the WCC countries, and they're sinking fast now, by the way, what price G Putin announcing a new fixed currency, trading currency, digital trading currency? Can you imagine what will take place? Now, I mentioned finally, I mentioned that the Americans, they had gold, they've had had oil from China, but their regular supply, the force majeure of their oil, they get from Syria, East Syria. Do they pay for it? No, 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 no. They never left Syria. So they know they have the military weight and power. So Assad in Syria can't do anything about it. He's had to accept it until Erdogan threatened invasion of the Kurds. The ter- he calls them the terrorists, the Kurds. In other words, they're within 30 kilometers of the border, and he wants to go and move them right back. He's got his troops amassed up on the border. They're ready. But before, he shot one over the bow of America and said, well, you know, you're making good bucks. Give me some of that that you're making. And the Americans said, no, not doing it. Now, in Syria, Erdogan's agreed a tripartite meeting. Iran himself and Assad. In that meeting, there are a number of trade deals, a number of developments that they want to put forward. But before that, we're going to have the intervention. And I've put an article by Al Jazeera. On uh, right by 17 today. And they're saying, well, it's due. Get ready. The troops are on the borders. Everything's ready to go. Now, the US is committed to the Kurds. Now, I think they've got, you know, 900, maybe a bit more, 1,000 soldiers there, 2,000 soldiers, something like that, you know, small, fo- small forces. It's really just to keep the IVs going. They get the free oil. They take the Syrian oil. Once the intervention starts, The Americans, uh, the American State Department, are making clear that they're not going to support the Kurds. And what's going to happen is they're going to pull back the troops, take them home. So Syria will get its oil fields back. We'll have enormous residue of finances come in Turkey and Iran under the auspices of Russia and China. This tripartite meeting will agree the rebuilding of Syria, the setting up of oil pipelines from Iran into Turkey, and Iran, into China, and a massive trade development deal between them and other countries. In other words, this is just the last brushing away of the, of, of, of US, of, uh, of the US deep state. The final removal, remember Donald Trump tried to get those troops out of uh, Syria before he left office. He he literally he made the point, why isn't it happening? Well, we knew why it wasn't happening because the TV generals, Millie and co, were, were, were stalling, subterfuge. But they're going to go back. And if they don't go back, by the way, they risk the danger of an intervention. And let me say this now. If America, if Biden, takes the decision to fight, it will be a bloodbath. It will be a bloodbath, a one-sided bloodbath, in which the U.S. and its troops, the innocents, they'll be annihilated. Because they will not have the ability to set up their their, uh, their foods, their, their munitions. Yeah, they've got, they've got Israel. Israel won't, Israel won't intervene. It understands now the powerless nature of its existence in the Middle East. So all that is coming to the fore in this period. It's an unrivaled period in world history. But when we look at BRICS, try to remember the historical role. Don't be conned into socialist, communist, liberal, conservative, There are only two now. You're a patriot or you're a traitor. If you apply that, you'll get through the woods. You'll be able to find the trail. If you fall for the cabal's terminologies and fixations on politicians and parties, you're going to fall into the wrong camps. You're going to lose your way in this next period. But whatever happens, nothing can stop what is coming. Nothing. We're on the road to the world revolution. There are things happening, which I can't even touch upon, of huge significance at this moment in time. But be a good heart. The future really is ours. Thanks, to them.
0: Lou. Lou. That was brilliant as always, Roy. Sorry, I had to make sure I kept um, myself muted because I'm humming and harring and butting in. So I'm doing it with the mute buttons. That was brilliant, Roy.
1: Right. Well, let's reverse now. My turn now, Lou. And uh, I mentioned earlier on, you know, for the better part of your life, your adult life, you have made a stand and it's cost you dearly in personal terms, in money. You've stood on the side of the children. You've stood against the bestiality of the deep state, of the pedophiles. And it's not only from a podcast. You've been an active warrior. You intervened in what was taking place in South Wales with the children, their education, the imposed education was taking place. You took it to the courts. You had a marvellous turnout. We were waiting What the determination will be. But for me, I think that Balenciaga takes the lid off everything. I'd like to know what you think, though.
0: Absolutely Roy. I mean, when it all broke, I mean, I've obviously dealt with the children. i I was so, as you correctly said, when I was at the column, I never thought I for one minute when I first met Bill Maloney, I'm like, how does he sleep at night? You know what he's doing, trying to expose the institutionalized abuse of children. And lo and behold, here I am at work at the column, getting involved with Holly Gregg, and then obviously the Savile stuff. Uh, we were talking about it way before it broke on the press and uh, all sorts of hoo-ha. We did in-depth re- uh, research into that with the um, the links to who, who he was linked to. Um, and there is somebody. So then, we, then obviously we moved on to the Rachel Chandler, the Epstein again, linking to the royal family. You just have all of these links to people. This is what's so incredible. So Balenciaga's broken. And I don't know how much people have ever heard of this. A lot of people will have, but there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to have ever heard the name Mark Dutroux. Now, I suggest you go on to YouTube. I think they're still up on YouTube and you can see about the crimes. I think it's the missing children. It was in Belgium. Back in the late eighties and early nineties, children were being abducted and found dead. Just going uh, possible links to um, without I, I'm pretty sure satanic ritual abuse ring over there. Now there was a player who was put down that to true named. So he named and I haven't got it in front of me and it's a long word it's a long name and it begins with a V vanda something I, can't, I haven't got it in front of me but we're doing the documentary and I will have all of that um well he he was on a list of somebody that Mark de true uh claimed was involved that he was actually getting he was he was getting the children to take to the elite for satanic ritual abuses uh, and torture and sacrifice. But he was doing it. He he wasn't just doing it on his own. There were others involved and there was a few names brought up, blah, blah. So then we come to Balenciaga and there is that name linked to Balenciaga, Rachel Chandler, and this guy beginning with V, and I haven't got his name in front of me, and Mark Dutroux. So... It is bigger than and darker than anybody can imagine. You have the same players, you have Ukraine very much involved, you've got royalty, you've got the high society, you know, it's all linked. So, we are going to be making a documentary on it. I'm about to embark i've got i've got a big got a gigantic sheet of white paper and i'm just starting to do a little graph with paper and pen because i find it easier than that and then i'll transfer it onto the computer so people can have a look a bit at the flow chart now my issue is you know i'm 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 not taking what roy's saying lightly and how important his value but for me as a mum when i started on this journey I started on the journey because I wanted to make a better world for my children who at the time were 10 and six. Here we are. I haven't made a world a better place. It's got worse. I was so involved with the truth movement and so protected. It, it does the opposite. You know, my daughter's kind of gone the other way. She's coming back. What have you, but it's damaged me in every way, lost absolutely everything and um, it's for this moment to me the children I've got children it started off with Holly Gregg my only uh, question was to do with the Holly Gregg was if my daughter came to me and said she'd been sexually abused I'd want them spoken to I'd want the police to go and do their job mm. and almost the same thing comes up with regards to a North London case in Hampstead mm. you know Children were giving specific details. People are saying, you know, they were lying. I don't believe that for one moment. I thoroughly believe it. Children can't be, I don't believe staged to that extent. Um, but I don't, I've just, just gone off and off my post. I do this when what? I get too passionate. So yeah, basically what? it's all about the kids. Nothing else matters. It all started back with Holly Gregg, the police doing their jobs. They need to ask the questions. And if we don't talk about these subjects, we are compliant. The, the elite, they, they see it. If they tell us what they're doing and there's no objection, that is what they take as consent to carry on. So nobody talks about it. It is the elephant in the room. The trolls come after you. You have everybody turning, you know, the bots, trolls, everybody. The second you start bringing in the children and satanic ritual abuse, so it goes on. It does go on. It's happening. They put it in their adverts. It's more to do with the high society. And we're going to discuss it a lot more. Sorry, Roy. I do go on rants when I start on the kids. All well, right.
1: Well, Lou, I, I, that, was, that was really... Uh, it's illuminating. And
0: They're all linked,
1: Roy. Yeah, They're yeah, all well, linked. But what I would say is that um, you are Right because Q said the first development would be the exposure of worldwide paedophile rings and satanic rings, which would unite humanity. The children will, the atrocities against the children will unite humanity. Now, I know, I don't agree with one part of what you said. You said you've made no difference. I don't agree with that. I think that anyone who commits themselves in this period of history of the last 10, 15 years, has made an enormous sacrifice and a worthwhile sacrifice. Because without people like yourself, Lou, what we've got now wouldn't be happening. Now, on that point, I do know of the personal privation that Lou has gone through. And I'm appealing to everyone who's listened to this to make a donation to Liberty Tactics. Now, the fashionable thing is to say, you know, donate a cup of coffee. Well, I'd be over the moon with any donation. If it was 50 pence, if it was a pound, it'd be very, very welcome. We've got to now build up liberty tactics. We've got to put, a, we've got to put it on a firm footing.
0: It can't now, be we're the We're not case. like some stations, Roy. We're not like some stations that have somehow paying their hosts a £1,000 a week. Like, the You're they say the truth that. doesn't pay. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I've been doing this 15 years and we've never, all we've done is lose it because just to let everyone know, we don't, we haven't, we've signed no contracts with anyone. We don't sign up with anyone. We don't do any of that. It is myself and Rick. And at the moment, Rick's been funding it. I was funding it before. And then Rick came on board with Liberty Tactics and we started again. Everything that we do, everything has to be paid for. Even just getting it out there on, iTunes and Spotify. You know, I've got direct debits coming out for some of these things. Rick has the Zoom calls. We wouldn't be able to do this with Roy. Um, so it's it's been it's the truth doesn't earn money. The truth. I understand with health products and stuff, Roy. And if people are putting on events to go and talk, halls take take money, and you know people do have to charge a fee. But you know the truth. Uh, you know I don't. I. Just, Amazing, what are we doing wrong? that we could, I wish we could be, um, afford to, to pay all our guests and, uh, and Rick and that uh, £1,000 a week. It's pretty incredible, but hey-ho.
1: Well, I'll end on this, Lou.
0: Yes. The trina-
1: finance is the sinews of war. Yeah. We're in a war for the fate of humanity. And I'm asking everyone who listens to these podcasts, to send a Christmas box to LibertyTactics dot And that Christmas.uk.co.uk. Dot because that Christmas box will carry us through into the vital period That we're going into. Lou, I've got to go now.
0: You've got to go, Roy. You go. Thank you so much for your kind words, as always. We'll be back next week. Um, I have got a little update just to let people know, Roy, and I haven't told you this. I am in touch with the wonderful Brunson brothers, well, one of them. Um, Brilliant. I am waiting for a phone call from the the, the main Brunson, Loy. Loy,
1: Loy, yeah.
0: He apparently, uh, Rayland is passing on my phone number. I did try calling him, but um, my phone's so useless. It's America anyway. So I'm waiting for a phone call and hopefully we will have the uh, Brunson brothers on Liberty Tactics very, very soon.
1: Brilliant. Lou, I've
0: got to go. Off you go, Roy, (laughs) off you go. So that was Roy. Um, Thank you to everybody. The website's gone a bit mad this week. I think we did a show with uh, the amazing, beautiful prophet Julie Green, and she very, very kindly shared it. It's all it really takes. Um, You know, we've had I've had such lovely messages, and I actually sent you know I forward them to Rick and Catherine. And Rip phoned me up and he goes, can we have some more of that? It's nice to wake up. Really, really lovely messages. So thank you to everybody who's just jumped on board and found us of the, the Julie Green. Welcome to Liberty Tactics. So that's Roy Davis. We will be back next week. You can find Roy at, on Telegram at Royboy17. Obviously, Liberty Tactics is on Liberty Tactics. We're on True Social. We're on Getter. We're on Rumble facebook and i still haven't had my proper account back on twitter so there is one that i've just set up but i haven't got any followers or anything so i'm just using it to poke around but you can find Lou liberty tactics on twitter but there's no followers but follow me i'm hoping the other account will get um unblocked but that's it we will play out with i don't know Rick will surprise surprises god bless everyone hey. On a caution wind, near the bleeding
1: sky, I called your name. There was no one there, and in the cold and snow, I saw your face, and we sang a song.
0: all taken care of. I think you're really going to enjoy these two.
1: Come on, come on